Jason here, Zion ID. Today I'm coming at you from the Loafer baseball fields in Salem, Utah. Crew's got a game today and it's too cold outside, so nobody would come with me. I'm all alone, so I figure I might as well be productive with my time and let's uh, publish a podcast. So today we're going to be talking about uh, true, full conversion. Why should we strive to create a Christ-centered city? Well, in a great tribute to Jesus that was penned by husband and wife, Terrell and Fiona Givens, they explain, God's love is not metaphorical. It is not some impersonal analog of compassion we experience. Compassion, in its root meaning, signifies to suffer with or alongside. God's heart beats in sympathy with us. Jesus Christ has an unparalleled hold on the human heart because he fully shared it in the human condition. He was born in a manger. He lived during the meridian of time in the midst of hostile conditions. In all their affliction, he was afflicted, wrote Isaiah. His bowels were indeed filled with mercy. Christ's empathy was dearly paid for. Jesus weeps because he feels compassion. There could be nothing in this universe or in any possible universe more perfectly good, absolutely beautiful, worthy of adoration and deserving of emulation than this God of love and his kindness and vulnerability. That is why a gesture of belief in his direction, a decision to acknowledge his virtues as the paramount qualities of a divided universe, is a response to the best in us, the best and noblest of which the human soul is capable. So that was from their book called God weeps uh, page 25 through 27 so as we start talking about conversion and turning our hearts from our own selfish desires and from uh, the desires of babylon in the world and turning though turning our attention to god and his law and the divine and the eternal um, i love beginning it with that thought that we truly are at our best when we make a decision to acknowledge his virtues as the highest qualities available in this universe. It's a response to the best in us. Um, they mention Jesus's condescension. Well, that certainly is not weakness. The vulnerability is not weakness. Meekness never was weakness. Givens expounds. This vulnerability, this openness to pain and exposure to risk, is the eternal condition of the divine. The presence of such pain serves the larger purposes of God's master plan, which is to maximize the human capacity for joy. God asked the mother of Jesus, Mary, to subject herself to an unwed pregnancy where she was to face the certain prospects of dishonor, public humiliation, and possible death by stoning. Hence, she served as a vehicle of his grace. Jesus' path is one of love and sacrifice. Neither here nor hereafter will God exert control or dominion or compulsion upon the souls of the children of men. God draws men to heaven by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love unfeigned, by kindness and pure knowledge. God appeals to his people, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Exodus 25, verse 8. 
So there is a need. God actually has a need for a people that are converted. Um, in other words, he needs them to create a Zion or a sanctuary in which he can dwell among us. Words written by Peter deserve our full attention. Peter reminds us of his call as an eyewitness to Jesus. And he says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter has a unique ability to convey an eternity of meaning in few words. Thus, each word demands a thorough investigation. Um, in chapter 1 of the book of Second Peter, the Lord's Rock explains, His divine power hath given, us, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Peter understood the reality of an atonement ecosystem in which we exist, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Well, in order to overcome the destructive influence of lust that occurs on a nano-spiritual level, Peter reminds us to learn about him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Peter witnessed Jesus perform miracles by way of virtue. He does not use the word virtue lightly, nor does Peter use any word lightly. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-7 through seven. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly, unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a promise Peter gives right there. That if you give diligence to make your calling and election sure, you will never fall. Um, that is complete conversion, complete submission to God's will. Jesus taught his disciples that the Holy Ghost was a comforter. Uh, that's in John 14, 26. He also spoke of a second comforter. And I will pray the Father that he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever and ever. Joseph Smith taught, after a person has faith in Christ, repents of his sins, and is baptized for the remission of his sins and receives the Holy Ghost, which is the first comforter, then let him continue to humble himself before God, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, and living by every word of God. And the Lord will soon say unto him, Son, thou shalt be exalted. When the Lord has thoroughly proved him and finds that the man is determined to serve him at all hazards, then the man will find his calling and his election made sure. Then it will be his privilege to receive the other comforter, which the Lord hath promised the saints, as is recorded in the testimony of John in the 14th chapter, 
from the 12th to the 27th verses. Now, what is this other comforter? It is no more nor less than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. When any man obtains this last comforter, he will have the personage of Jesus Christ to attend him or appear unto him from time to time. And even he will manifest the Father unto him, that they will take up their abode with him. And the visions of the heavens will be opened unto him, and the Lord will teach him face to face. And he may have a perfect knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And this is the state and place the ancient saints arrived at when they had such glorious visions. Isaiah, Ezekiel, John upon the Isle of Patmos, Paul in the three heavens, and all the saints who held communion with the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Through the gift of agency, we can choose to love our Creator, our Redeemer, and Judge, or we can choose to reject Him. To those who love God, it is promised in John fourteen twenty one through 23 He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest himself to him. If a man love me, he will keep my words." And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Boy, you hear words like that, and when you think about what kind of a sacrifice are you give it, willing to give unto the Lord, I think the easy answer is everything. We love God because he first loved us. As his sons and daughters, it is our responsibility and our privilege to be obedient unto him. Um, concerning this particular scripture from the book of John, Joseph Smith commented in DNC 130, When the Savior shall appear, we shall see him as he is. We shall see that he is a man like ourselves. And that same sociality which exists among us here will exist among us there, only it will be coupled with eternal glory, which glory we do not now enjoy. Concerning John fourteen twenty three specifically, the appearing of the Father and the Son in that verse is a personal appearance, and the idea that the Father and the Son dwell in a man's heart is an old sectarian notion and is false. Jesus beckons us. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Verily, thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that every soul who forsaketh his sins and cometh unto me and calleth on my name and obeyeth my voice and keepeth my commandments shall see my face and know that I am. That promise is given in DNC 93.1. Uh, we're kind of going heavy scripture here because the word is the word is the word. Um, you don't want to miss any of these sacred words. DNC 67 verses 10 through 13 offers another promise. And again, verily I say unto you that it is your privilege and a promise I give unto you that have been ordained unto this ministry that inasmuch as you strip yourselves from jealousies and fears and humble yourselves before me, for ye are not sufficiently humble, the veil shall be rent and you shall see me and know that I am not with the carnal, neither natural mind, but with the spiritual. For no man has seen God at any time in the flesh, except quickened by the Spirit of God. 
Neither can any natural man abide the presence of God, neither after the carnal mind. Ye are not able to abide the presence of God now, neither the ministering of angels. Wherefore, continue in patience until ye are perfected. Moses is one who did receive the second comforter. Exodus 33.11 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. Jesus promises, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The epistle Paul to the Hebrews expounds upon the Lord's rest. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said. They to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief, saying to David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Hebrews chapter 4, 3 through 7. Continuing in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For he that is entered into his rest, he hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. In Alma chapter 12, it says, Therefore, whosoever repenteth and hardeneth not his heart, he shall have claim on mercy through mine only begotten Son, unto a remission of his sins, and these shall enter into my rest. And whosoever will harden his heart and will do iniquity, Behold, I swear in my wrath that he shall not enter into my rest. So entering into the Lord's rest, that sacred privilege, confirms a full conversion process. Somebody has entered into covenants. They have been obedient to those covenants. They have been proved. They have endured to the end. And God sees fit to bless them with his presence, the second comforter. The people of Alma entered into the Lord's rest. In chapter 13, verses 12 through 16, it says, Now they, after being sanctified by the Holy Ghost, having their garments made white, being pure and spotless before God, could not look upon sin, save it were with abhorrence. And there were many, exceedingly great many, who were made pure and entered into the rest of the Lord their God. And now, brethren, I would that ye should humble yourselves before God and bring forth fruit, meat for repentance, that ye may also enter into that rest. Yea, humble yourselves, even as the people in the day of Melchizedek, who was also a high priest after the same order which I have spoken, who also took upon him the high priesthood forever. And it was this same Melchizedek to whom Abraham paid tithes, Yea, even our father Abraham paid tithes of one-tenth part of all he possessed. Now these ordinances were given after this manner, that thereby the people might look forward on the Son of God, it being a type of his order, or it being his order, and this, that they might look forward to him for remission of their sins, that they might enter into the rest of the Lord." So you have to seek to obtain the word, which is the divine pattern that even Jesus went through in the pre-mortal realm. You identify the word, you become obedient to the word, and then the word can manifest, manifest itself in the flesh through your obedience. Jacob, the brother of Nephi, writes in Jacob chapter 1, verse 7, Wherefore we labor diligently among our people, 
that he that we might persuade them to come unto Christ and partake of the goodness of God, that they might enter into his rest, lest by any means he should swear in his wrath that they should not enter in, as in the provocation in the days of temptation, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness. Why did the children of Israel wander for 40 years? Because their hearts were hardened. They refused to obey the commandments as they were revealed by the prophets. Concerning this provocation in the wilderness, it's written in DNC 84, 19 through 25. And this greater priesthood administereth the gospel and holdeth the key of the mysteries of the kingdom, even the key of the knowledge of God. Therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. And without the ordinances thereof and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest unto men in the flesh. For without this, no man can see the face of God, even the Father, and live. Now this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. But they hardened their hearts and could not endure his presence. Therefore the Lord in his wrath, for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they should not enter into his rest while in the wilderness, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Therefore he took Moses out of their midst and the holy priesthood also. In conclusion, as we approach the second coming of the Lord, as we are commanded to straighten his paths to prepare the way, um, even as forerunners, uh, it is there will be many saints who enter into the Lord's rest, who are no longer swayed by every wind of doctrine, and who are um, obedient, even undeviating in their worship of Jesus Christ. And so the sooner we can get there, the better off we'll be. Um, that is the pursuit of Zion. When you have a group of people, not just individuals, who come together with that kind of faith, um, it's going to elevate everything you know about the human experience. And as we reach those new levels you know, it will trigger uh, blessings to rain down upon us from heaven.